Time for You and Your Money, a program we handle on the first Thursday of every month. And today I'm joined by Lysel Cording, Senior Vice President and Financial Advisor at Weiss, Hale, and Zahansky Strategic Wealth Advisors. Welcome back to the show, Lysel. Thank you so much, Wayne. I'm happy to be here. Now, Lysel, before we get into today's topic, I have it on good authority that you have been named to the Hartford Business Journal's 40 under 40 list for 2023. Congratulations for that. Thank you so much, Wayne. Yeah, I'm, I'm thrilled to be um, 40 under 40 and uh, happy to be recognized by the Hartford Business Journal. I'm really honored to to be among the nominees and uh, I'm just, you know, it's a really great honor and I, I feel that my passion for helping our clients and my the greater community that I live in um, to live well is really what got me here. So, Absolutely. And for our listeners who are not familiar with the awards, the 40 Under 40 Awards recognize outstanding young professionals in the greater Hartford area that are excelling in their industries through their leadership roles while also making a difference for the community. According to the HBJ, the awards recipients who were chosen by a panel of independent judges made up of selected professionals and community leaders, quote, will be part of an outstanding class of upcoming business leaders who share a commitment to business success personal growth, and community involvement. Congratulations again, Liza. That is quite an accomplishment. Thank you so much, Wayne. And again, I just, you know, I'm really passionate about helping our clients, and it's a very rewarding job for me, and, and I feel like I've got a lot of great support around me. Um, but it's, again, very rewarding seeing people uh, change their lives and achieve the goals that I've helped them to set out to achieve. So, um, you know, I... I um, something that I'm very proud of. And, uh, you know, I look forward to continuing to grow as much as I can. And I'm just glad that, uh, you know, I'm in a position to be nominated. And also, for me, it's setting an example for other uh, women and girls that are in or thinking about going into the finance industry, which is a very male-dominated industry. It's only 25% of females are uh, advisors. So, um, for me, that's that's really huge, and I think that's a great example uh, for other women in the, in the industry. So, um, but I also feel that I have a lot of great support from Moise Helms Zahansky, of course, and uh, so that's that's really great too. That's outstanding. Congratulations again. And our topic today, which has been making headlines lately, changes in student loan forgiveness and updates to 529 savings rules. But as always, before we begin, let's get the latest news from the financial markets. What's going on there? Well, uh, this is actually perfect timing. We just had our investment committee, which uh, consists of the five advisors that are on our team, as well as some CFAs that are uh, with Commonwealth, who we partner with for things like this. And um, on the economic front, Wayne, despite the economic environment not being too different from this time last year, so thinking like jobs, uh, consumer confidence, um, markets are still, they're in a considerably different place than they were this time last year. And they've recovered much of the losses from 2022. And, um, but we're seeing there's a few dominant tech companies that are really leading the charge. And uh, while we're happy that markets are recovering, we're still cautious as we see a few risks that still remain. And that's really mostly related to the Fed policy and whether they will raise interest rates again. 
Um, but, and of course, we've had a resilient consumer. All of us are still spending. We're doing some of the things that we've been wanting to do since the pandemic uh, started. And we also see some geopolitical issues that are, you know, one of the top concerns as well. Uh, but we're, we're thinking there's likely two outcomes. The economy sort of continues to muddle through uh, a low and uneven growth uh, path, or we end up in some kind of mild recession. Um, but we're seeing the policy that the Fed has put in place with raising interest rates has really helped with bringing inflation down, and that's declined to under 5%. And, um, and we've seen unemployment tick up just a little bit. So that means that things are working and, and what they're trying to do. So with that said, the S&P is up over 18% this year. The Dow is up over about 65 So you can see it's sort of a disparity there in, in the indices. NASDAQ up about 35 um, so some, some dif- disparities between the indices. Um, but what does this mean for investors and how are we positioning investments for our clients? Well, um, at present, markets seem to be more focused on short-term headlines. So you can see that, you know, we had a downturn in August. We had an uptick over the last couple of days. And um, so the fundamentals are really creating more of a fluid environment um, in which we are managing money and, and picking where we want to be in the economy. So still believe in a diversified portfolio. And again, I always say stay focused on longer term goals and don't let the short term volatility impact those goals. Liza, we keep hearing the inflation rate is becoming more under control. You just talked about that. It's coming down a, yet, a bit. Yet we don't see that reflected in what we're paying at the supermarket, among other places. And by the way, this is not just a national issue. It's a global issue. We're not the only country experiencing this. But I'm just curious, with all this talk about the inflation rate coming down, when do we see that reflected when we buy stuff? Very good question. Um, and it has to, I mean, there's different pockets that we won't see come down. For example, gas prices still um, continue to creep up in, in some areas. So uh, we'll see pockets of, of things that will uh, moderate over time, but it could take some time to get to the full, you know, feeling like we are um, reducing uh, costs of, of goods. So it, it could take some time to see that. Let's get to our first topic, the recent developments in student loan forgiveness. Please provide our listeners with an overview of the key changes they need to be aware of. Well, uh, starting September 1st, federal loan interest will begin accruing again. So that means that you have to make payments starting in October. So this has been pushed back for a number of times since the pandemic started to, to help those that are in student debt try to, you know, get through the pandemic and, and making sure they're in a good uh, position. Um, but one of the major changes is the Supreme Court's decision on President Biden's student loan forgiveness plan. Um, and that had, you know, temporary pause on student loan interest. And it also offered a potential forgiveness up to 20000 That's no longer the case. So there's, we're trying to figure out some other ways to help out with uh, this debt problem that, that is a serious issue. Liza, the landscape certainly seems to be shifting. Can you explain the new saving on a variable education? They call it the SAVE plan that the Biden administration recently introduced. Sure, of course. So it's, yeah, that's right, saving on a valuable education, so SAVE plan. And this uh, was recently uh, just introduced, and it's an income-driven repayment plan, and it's aimed at making student loans uh, payments more affordable for borrowers. So it decreases monthly payments based on your income. 
It also, um, as long as you make the payment that you're supposed to based on your income, uh, the loan won't grow due to unpaid interest. So that's really key there because that can really uh, build up over time. And also, President Biden, he's also hinted at a potential path for nationwide student loan forgiveness. We've sort of heard this um, a couple of times, but we we don't know specifics on that yet. So we'll see if that ever comes uh, to fruition. So something to be on the lookout for. With these changes, how should borrowers and parents planning for their children's education navigate this new landscape? Well, that's a good question. It's um, really key to have a plan in place and know exactly what your college plan is, whether you're going to be funding your child's entire education by saving from when they are born Uh, to having some student loans, to maybe paying some of the tuition while they're in college. Um, So always have a plan. That's that's number one. Um, But also just navigating the uh, loans once you get to college, if you are taking student loans, um, there's there's lots of different options. Like, for example, uh, with the federal loan interest uh, resuming here, we have potential forgiveness opportunities that are no longer available. Um, so making those payments beginning in October will be key for those that do have the student loans and, um, you know, just considering strategies for managing that debt effectively. Um, and there's a really helpful website that, uh, at the federal student aid website and that's studentaid.gov. And that can help, uh, to, to understand what options there might be for those that are getting student loans and, and what they might be able to do. We also have, um, referred clients to, it's called GradFin, and that's um, a company that helps student, students that have loans to understand what their options are and whether they should refinance or not. Um, so that's a really helpful uh, website as well. Nerd Wallet. Is that one a good, a good one too? Or what does Nerd Wallet tell me? Well, Nerd Wallet, I mean, it's one of those websites where you can um, – they can help you understand if there's different available loan options. Um, and, and typically, I mean, you're going to NerdWallet to see what are the best available credit cards, that kind of thing. So it, it's sort of an all-inclusive, here are some options for you, um, and, and it might be able to help direct you. Um. Liza, with the uncertainty and in some cases confusion over student loans, they'll be forgiven, they won't be forgiven over the last year or so, has that become a hot topic in your office? Do people come to you looking for consultation about what can I do, what will I do, what should I do? Is that something that a lot of people have talked to you and the other advisors about? It is. And our advice is always to, I mean, especially when the uh, the initial, hey, 20000 will be, or potentially up to $20,000 um, if you were uh, had certain incomes while the children were in school, but the... Um, the idea is might as well apply and see if you qualify for any of these. And of course, it never came uh, came through, but you might as well. Um, and we always say that even when we have uh, clients that have children that are going through school, they're like, oh, I'll never qualify for financial aid. We always recommend still submit the FAFSA and see if there's anything that's available out there for you. So definitely something that clients turn to us to talk with them about. And our advice is always to do at least uh, you know, try to submit for these types of programs. 
Good insight from Leslie Cording from Weiss, Hale, and Zahansky, Strategic Wealth Advisors. And our second topic this morning, changes in 529 savings rules. Can you explain the significance of the Secure 2.0 and its impact on 529 college savings accounts? Of course. So Secure 2.0, you've heard um, probably about that. You probably heard about the Secure Act uh, a couple of years ago. I believe it was 2019 when that was passed. Um, But this introduces a significant change for 529 college savings accounts. And um, what's really neat is that it allows for tax-free rollovers from 529 plans to Roth IRAs that's starting in 2024. And um, so this addresses the issue of having excess 529 plans, which can often, I mean, they may remain unspent, but if you have excess 529 funds in a college savings plan, savings plan for a child, it, there's a 10% penalty if you take that money out and use it on non-college expenses. So, or um, there's, they've broadened it. You can use it with, um, you know, K through 12 expenses as well. So, um, but if you don't use that, then there is a 10% penalty on, on non-tuition uh, or uh, school-related uh, expenses. So that's a really great update. Can you just clarify for a second what the 529 counts are and what the benefits, and you just touched on some of the the risks as far as taking money out, but how do 529 accounts work and what are they? Mm -hmm. 529, so it's a college savings plan that you can set up for your child. And here in Connecticut, we have the CHET uh, plan, which is run by uh, Fidelity, and uh, so clients can or anyone can go and start a 529 plan for their child or grandchild. And what it is, is it allows you to save into this plan. And uh, you actually, if you're a Connecticut resident, you get some Connecticut tax deductions by saving into the 529 plan. So it's an investment account that will grow over time as as you save for college. And um, the other benefit is that the money grows tax deferred. So you're not taxed on any earnings in that account while the account is in existence. And then if you take the money out to pay for tuition and other college expenses, the um, the money is tax-free. You don't have to pay taxes on it. So a really great benefit and something that people should take advantage of. Um, and and it's uh, you know something that, that's helped a lot of uh, people send their, their kids to college. So I'm on the state treasurer's website here for the state of Connecticut because you touched on the Connecticut Higher Education Trust, CHET. It says CHET is a state-sponsored tax advantage 529 college savings plan that's helping families and individuals plan for the cost of higher education. Connecticut Treasurer Eric Russell is a trustee of CHET, a tax-advantaged, low-cost savings program specifically designed to help families save for future college costs. The funds can be used at accredited colleges and universities across the country, including vocational and technical schools and some colleges abroad. CHET features state and federal tax-free earnings and withdrawals on qualified higher education expenses. Connecticut families can take an income tax deduction up to $5,000 for single filers, $10,000 for joint on contributions to CHED accounts. And there's more information at the state website. 
on the state treasurer's website, too, about the Connecticut Higher Education Trust. I have a little experience with these type of funds because I administer the uh, college account my mom set up for uh, my niece and nephew out in San Diego. And one thing that I learned when we went to cash that in and pay for my niece's current college expenses at the University of Southern California is that you need to have documentation that the money out of that account went directly to the school. No real middleman involved other than maybe signing the check over and the like, but there's some strict rules about that. That money can't go anywhere else. It's got to go to the school. It is a college savings account. That's exactly right. And the reason for that is because the IRS would like to tax you or penalize you that 10% if it's not going to a school. (laughs) So that's... Did you want to touch on some rules and limitations associated with those rollover accounts? Yeah, so, yep. Uh, so the rollover, it offers a solution for those excess 529 plans, um, allowing families to move funds into Roth IRA accounts without incurring the penalty. So that's really uh, pretty neat. And the money in a Roth IRA grows tax-deferred, just like it did in the 529, during the child's lifetime, and it could be available for retirement for them. Um, but there are several rules that apply to the 529 to Roth rollover. So the Roth IRA that you set up to receive the 529 plans must be, or 529 plan funds must be in that 529 beneficiary's name. So it has to be the same, um, we always say a, a like account. Um, and it must be, that 529 plan must be in existence for over 15 years. So sort of a key thing to start the 529 plan early on in your child's life. And, um, and there's also rules to, I mean, anytime you're saving to a Roth or a traditional IRA, there's um, limitations on how much you can contribute. And um, so that right now, if you're under 50 contributing to a Roth IRA, the, the limit is 6,500. So that'll grow over time. As, but um, right now, that's the limit. And that would still apply in this case. And then in addition, there's a lifetime maximum of 35000 going from 529 to Roth IRA. The hope is that that grows over time and, and that becomes a larger uh, figure. Um, and then one final thing is that the child needs to have earned income up to that $6,500 number to be able to contribute to the Roth IRA. So some restrictions, but um, generally I think it's a great, uh, great option. These 529 accounts allowing families to move funds to Roth IRAs, do they give interest that is competitive with other savings plans that don't involve college accounts provide? Yeah, it all depends on what your investment strategy is in that Roth IRA. Uh, But yes, I mean, the the idea would be if you're moving it from a 529 plan to a Roth IRA uh, for the child, they're young. They're probably, what, 21 graduating from college. They're not, uh, Roth IRAs typically are set up for retirement. They're not going to be retiring for another, you know, 40 years or whatever that that might be. And and so the idea would be you'd probably want that Roth IRA to be a pretty aggressive uh, investment strategy. So it would likely earn, potentially earn more than the 529 because the 529 is a pretty, typically a moderate strategy and especially as you get closer to college age, that 529 plan becomes typically pretty conservative because you want those funds to be available when you go to school. So. Good information. And lastly, there seems to be some uncertainty around the 15-year clock for rollovers. So elaborate on that. 
Yeah, so um, there's a you can change a beneficiary on a 529 plan, and um, which is really neat. So if you have if you saved a ton and your oldest child 529, they don't go to college. You can change the beneficiary to let's say your middle child, and they can use that money. Um, but there's we we aren't exactly sure if changing the beneficiary on that 529 plan impacts. Remember, I talked about the 15 year clock. For rollover, so you have to have the money in the 529 for 15 years. So that could have an impact, but I, the IRS is, is trying to offer more clarity on that. That's pretty typical when these things roll out. There's always, um, we always need a little more clarity on, on some of the rules and things that come along with it. So um, certainly that's something that we should factor in. Hopefully it doesn't impact it. I mean, I think the idea is that you're not making large contributions to a 529. Um, just to roll it into an IRA. So I think that's into the Roth IRA. So I think that's what their intention was. But we'll find out uh, more as, as time goes along. But if you have a young child, probably makes sense to consider starting a 529. Really important and timely information today about student loans and 529 savings rules. To wrap up, what advice would you give listeners who are navigating these changes in student loan forgiveness and 529 savings? Mm-hmm. My advice would be to stay informed and seek guidance from reputable sources. Um, I had mentioned a few earlier on the call, um, but the, I mean that finance, the federal student aid website is very helpful. It, it actually lays out um, what the each of the programs are if you're paying back loans. Um, but then and then just exploring what available uh, resources and options you might have for funding your child's college and and make up a plan. So. Those are really the, um, the things that I would I would recommend that you pay attention to. That's solid advice, Liesl, and to our listeners. Remember that staying informed and seeking expert advice is essential in managing your finances effectively, whether it's student loan forgiveness or 529 savings rules. The more you understand, the better decisions you can make. If you need further assistance or have questions, don't hesitate to call Weiss, Hale, and Zahansky, Strategic Wealth Advisors, or request a complimentary consultation on their website. Thanks for joining us today, Liesl, and sharing our expertise on these important topics. Absolutely, Wayne. Great to talk with you. Yep, there she is, Liesl Cording, who is on the 40 under 40 list, recognized by the Hartford Business Journal. Weiss, Hale, and Zahansky Strategic Wealth Advisors offer securities and advisory services through Commonwealth Financial Network, member FINRA SIPC, a registered investment advisor. Fixed insurance products and services offered through CES Insurance Agency. They practice at both 697 Pomfret Street, Pomfret Center, 06259, and now at 392A Merrow Road in Tolland, 06084, That phone number is 860-928-2341. Weiss, Hale, and Zahansky Strategic Wealth Advisors do not provide legal or tax advice. The tenured financial services team strives to support clients in achieving their financial life goals. For more information regarding wealth management and customized financial planning with Weiss, Hale, and Zahansky Strategic Wealth Advisors, visit their website, whzwealth.com. 14 WILI Willimantic at 95.3 FM.